If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Welcome back to another episode of Money Honeys, where we, Freddie, Chantel, and Devin, are just some regular gals who support slanging that thing around for some coin if you have to. We are pro-cash on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And today we are picking back up where we left off and chatting about the cost of content. That's right. If you haven't listened to our first episode in this little series, stop right where you are and scoot yourself back a week in the playlist. Because in the last episode, we chatted about how the real whales in the content creation spheres, your BuzzFeeds, your Voxes, your Hearsts, how they make money online. And we talked about how you can steal their strategy. But today, we're going to talk about the soft costs of making content. We're talking about the effect it has on your personal life because, let's face it, a lot of times the best content is sourced from your personal life. So what is it like to monetize your existence. Mm. Y'all, do y'all remember the Lush <laughs> video we made back in our old BuzzFeed days? <laughs> R.I.P. Chantel's skin. I have trauma. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this vividly. I just, I... Okay, so for context, Lush yeah. reached out to BuzzFeed and us being like, let's do a video together. And I was right. like, let's get all of the free product. Let's mm-hmm. like, soup to nuts, let's go for it. And uh, I remember every, I positioned every cast member of Ladylike to try a different line. So like, Freddie, I think you did lotions and body butters. Yes, love that for me. I think, (laughs) which was great. I think like Kristen did hair products or something, and then Chantel, you got skin products. Sure did, sure did. Pick it up from there. Yeah, I so I, I walked into the video having probably the best skin I'd had in my life. Because <laughs> I like grew up with acne and stuff and I had finally like mid 20s, I was like, oh my God, it's finally under control. I was actually blemish free, could not believe it. I was so proud of my skin. Anyways, so then stepped into this video and I, the thing is, I was very excited to like you to were. try this stuff too. I was like, yes, I, I can't wait. Cause I, I like the like all natural train, all that stuff. It was like lavender based. You love lavender. Yes. You know I do, you know I do. Mm-hmm. And then basically I just immediately broke out. It wasn't It wasn't even like within 24, it was like within 24 hours. Yes. You didn't, yeah. It was like use the product, break out. And they were weird, it was a weird breakout too. Yeah, it was, it was like very, it was, it was just kind of like the forehead bumps that have to be like exfoliated off, except that they didn't go away for like a couple years. Years? Yeah. Like Chauncey, they didn't what? they didn't fully go away for like a couple years. Or like now I like my skin is like good again and stuff. And it's been that way like for a little while. But yeah, it was it was like a couple years until I was like, okay, my skin is like actually how it was before that. Because it was, I remember you sent me pictures of it like shortly after the video released and it was like, you know, like chicken skin you get on the back of your arms. It was like those white pimply bits, mm-hmm. but on your face. Yeah. And cause it's like, it, it wasn't like a rash. It was like acne. I was like, I know acne when I see it. Right. <laughs> That's insane. That's what it was. Yeah. So it's a, uh, 
This is what we're talking about, it's you dramatic. guys. <laughs> <laughs> I had skin trauma from Lush. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm going to need a beat. Yeah, that was trauma. I'm going to need a beat. But when we come back, we're going to be interviewing each other about what we view as the pros and cons of content creation lifestyle. But that's not happening until after the break. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? And a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. And before we launch into the next segment, I want to pose a question to the group. Say you've decided you want to make content as a career. Would you go at it as an individual or try to land a job at one of these major content publishers? Because we've done both at this point. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have experience on both sides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would do a little bit of both. Yeah. I, I, I would say like, okay, if you want to be an individual, then it's like, get started, kind of like test the waters a little bit while trying to get a job at these publishers just because you'll learn so much like stuff that you can't learn as an individual Mm -hmm. if you're working for one of the big guys. That's so true. And also, um, I feel like you could even start out by doing your own thing and then also just like look into freelancing for mm-hmm. some of like, these larger companies um, because also too if you have something to showcase like this is what I do for myself right I could do something similar for you all it's just you know an added bonus right right mm-hmm. and plus when you're working at these like big publishers you're not you're not spending your own money. So technic- typically when you're a content creator, you're spending your own money too, mm-hmm. or, or spending your time trying to get free product, trying mm-hmm. to like try things, blah, blah, blah. And when you're working at a publisher, they cover those costs, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. You know, at BuzzFeed, we, fun fact, our videos used to cost $300. We had a budget of $300 yeah. per Sometimes video. Sometimes it didn't even cost that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you email people with that BuzzFeed.com email address, and people just <laughs> trip over themselves, yeah. or at least they did. I don't know how it is now. Yeah, yeah, and that it also frees up 
some of that space in your mind. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you have a company handling all the logistical stuff and mm-hmm. a lot of times they'll have like production coordinators handling, you know, mm-hmm. all of the nitty gritties and then you could really just focus on the creative side of it, which mm-hmm. is actually one of my favorite parts of working for a company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like while you're at one of those publishers, like ask for like the data, ask for like the back end stuff of like, okay, how are we tracking trends? Like Let's look at watch times. Let's look at when people click out. Let's look at when people click in. What can we test thumbnails? Can we like try to learn as much about the data side of things as you can? Yeah. One, because you'll impress your employer. Mm-hmm. And two, because you'll learn super valuable information for your own cre- content creation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you kind of just have someone explaining it to you because yeah. there's someone who is employed to analyze that data. So you're not kind of just like looking at numbers you know, blindly on the internet, like, what does this mean? What does this mean? You know, Mm -hmm. it's definitely a really great launching pad to like understand data Mm -hmm. as, you know, as it relates to virality on the internet. Right. And as I, you know, after I left BuzzFeed, I started my own YouTube channel, Devin But Better, go check it out. Um, And it's just lonely. It's lonely to create content by yourself. And I mean, I'm lucky. I have uh, a producer and editor, and his name's Derek. We love Derek. Um, Sup, Derek? Hi, Derek. We love you. He he listens. Aww. He does. So, hi, Derek. We love you. My Virgo king. I would die for you. Anyways, (laughs) um, I I do have Derek, and that's wonderful. But when we were at BuzzFeed, there's just so many people floating around. I mean, that's a good thing and a bad thing, because, like, people, you know? But (laughs) (laughs) sometimes distract each other from working. But But also, like, bouncing your ideas off of other folks. Absolutely. Having people talk to you about data, creating theories about how you can get new audiences. It's just just so helpful. Um, So, yeah. That, I mean, I think looking back at the trajectory of our careers, I'm glad we did it the way we did mm-hmm. um, and started out at one of these big publishers. But I will say, I make a whole lot more money now that I'm independent. Mm. That part. Mm-hmm. 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 When you're independent, that coin is yours. Right. You also just have more like flexibility, mm-hmm. too. So it's like... If you don't like even today, so we're like we're like block shooting these episodes today and yesterday. Block shoot. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, like, wow. Yeah. These days I've had to get up and like go and record at 10 a.m. two days in a row. And I'm like, we used to go into the office at be there by nine, be there by nine, five days in a row. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it just was, you know, versus it being now where it's like. Okay, I'm free to do this. I'm free to do that. Or I have I have a project, so I'm going to be getting up early for these two weeks, and then then I'm moving on to the next thing. I yeah, know. the freelance lifestyle. There's yeah. nothing like it. It's so wonderful mm-hmm. to have your own time. So. Yeah, and that, I I think a part of why we've been able to like be successful in the freelance life is because of the skills that we learned at by being a part of a company. And we have a really great network of people that we can collaborate with when needed, right? Like, we've met, like, all of our colleagues. Like, everyone is so talented in various areas. So it's really nice having had that again. I guess my word of the day is launchpad. (laughs) Launchpad (laughs) is your word of the day? Okay, Okay, I guess so, because I keep wanting to say it. Um, So, yes, working at a large publisher like BuzzFeed is a really great launchpad to really widen that network so that it sets you up really well for when you want to go out on your own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these spaces, they're 
backbone is collaboration. Mm-hmm. At least it was at BuzzFeed. Yeah. And so when you see people outside of BuzzFeed that you used to work with succeed, like Quinta, for example, mm-hmm. it's so satisfying. It's so uh, fulfilling. It's not my success, but to watch her succeed, oh my God, it makes me so happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I feel like these publishers, especially in like, I'm not quite sure the vibe of them right now in 2022. Yeah. Sure. I think a lot of what we're talking about is like how things were operating and how things were between, you know, 2015 and 2020. Um, and I forgot my point. Launchpad. <laughs> The vibe. Oh yeah. So I think I think I think you know what BuzzFeed ended up becoming was like an incubator for yeah. talent mm-hmm. to sort of grow and expand beyond the walls of BuzzFeed. It took some time to get there and get you know the company to be on board with that plan, like kind of as an overarching thing for employees working in the video department. But I think once that was sort of established, I think it became a really really great. Um, just starting point for people trying to either be on screen, be a producer, director, do both, all of it. Right, right. But then there's the one issue that I bumped up against pretty early in my BuzzFeed career, which was like, who owns my ideas? Mm. BuzzFeed does. I know. That's a downside of working for those publishers, because you'll Mm -hmm. have come up with a great concept and they'll, they'll fund it and you'll put it together and then you'll put it up and it's a huge success and then... What? Mm-hmm. It's not yours. Yeah. You don't get a signing bonus. You're lucky if you get a promotion, the mm-hmm. next round of promotions. Mm-hmm. It's just like rinse, repeat, next day. Even mm-hmm. like to the point where, you know, I think I think a big part of um, our experience at BuzzFeed, and, you know, in addition to collaboration, I think iteration was something that BuzzFeed really kind of hammered hammered into us you know if there is something that's a hit so say for example Devin this amazing idea that like you you know they funded you shot you posted it goes viral it's great the next directive for the rest of the company is okay we need to figure out a way to make something like Devin but an iteration of it so that we can keep getting these viral hits right and it's like Devin's probably not gonna like she said like you know she may get a promotion but I mean, probably not just off that, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> you know, I think about, remember, I think it was Zach Kornfeld who made the puppy video, the first one, that went super viral. Mm-hmm. With, Which puppy video? Was it with you and Quinta? Drunk, drunk, oh, drunk girls. No, I I wanted to be in that so badly, but I was, I was, I left for Thailand the day before. Because he, um, he was like, you're one of the first people I'm asking. You have to be in this. I was like, I do have to be in it, but I will be in time. <laughs> oh, bummer. I it know. Was, it was a great video. It was such a good video. Uh, whenever I'm down, I will still watch that video. It's amazing. Because it's so, so good. It's the best video. But now BuzzFeed's still doing puppies, except with celebrities. That is an iteration that was came from Zach's Cornfield's brain mm-hmm. that BuzzFeed is still collecting coin on. Mm-hmm. And probably will until perpetuity. Wait, they weren't doing celebrities and puppies before that video? No. Nope. I don't think so. I don't think they were really doing celeb videos before that. Oh, I had no idea that's where it like yeah. sparked Zach, from. Zach's was like drunk girls play with puppies. Play with puppies, yeah. Or I surprise. I surprise. Like, surprise. Yeah. It was a surprise yeah. element. Surprise drunk yeah. girls. <laughs> <laughs> but you see the iteration, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. add puppies and ask hard questions. You know what I mean? Which yeah. is kind of a riff on the hot ones thing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but anyway, 
Um, do y'all have a moment in your time at BuzzFeed where you realized how valuable your ideas were? And walk me through that memory. Like I mean, the actual value. Well, I feel this is sort of a spicy take. I feel like the actual value of a lot of our good ideas wasn't fully actualized at BuzzFeed. For like That's not a spicy take. That's the facts. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah, for for like different reasons of like promo, not funding it, not all that stuff. So it's like there's some ideas where I'm like, "Oh, I don't know what like the true value of that could have been." Mm. But it is inter- it is interesting because it's like also part of the reason why I suggest for people to start um, like doing their own individual content creation before getting to a company is that that way that's your IP mm-hmm. because it's like anything you walk in with you already own it versus like if you create a character at at BuzzFeed it's owned by them right um, because it's like it's also like they're the ones funding it they're the ones paying you to create it mm-hmm. um, and so I don't remember what the question was Launchpad oh Launchpad <laughs> Launchpad 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 <laughs> yeah no but like that memory it's tricky yeah I have a specific memory where mm-hmm. I was walking down the hallways because I had been making the tasty videos with Jared mm-hmm. of the uh, like history bites, mm-hmm. and I was walking down the hallway and I saw a, a beautiful kitchen set up for a new show that they were producing, and I walked in and asked what the set was for, and it was they said this new history food show, and I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, we sold it to Facebook. And I was like, oh, 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 and at that point, Tasty wasn't doing any like historical food shows yet. And I was just like, wow, wow. They really ran with this idea and didn't include me mm-hmm. and then turned around and sold it. Mm-hmm. And you have no. And I can't do anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. you also just had no involvement. No, in they didn't all. ask me. Yeah, because yeah. I, I would have given them the idea if they would have just let me direct it. Mm-hmm. Right. Or like get my experience, my feet wet with other parts of the process. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the time where I was like, okay, wow gotta go you know what I mean like mm-hmm. I could have really run with that idea myself mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah I think I think this isn't necessarily like an idea that we had but I think that as ladylike we really did set the tone for character universes having their own platforms within mm-hmm. BuzzFeed mm-hmm. Um, or under the BuzzFeed umbrella like there was Try Guys before us but they were a part of just the general BuzzFeed channel Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did I guess they were you know truly the originators of like you know a rotating cast of just these four guys but I think that we kind of like took it to the next level with having more of that um more of that exclusive audience who really did come to BuzzFeed to see us. Mm-hmm. And I think that that definitely um, snowballed into other groups being able to do the same thing, like Petal Like, for example. Um, even Cocoa Butter to it. Cocoa extent. Butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think too, like Tasty also. Deval- I feel developed like. Developed a character right, they universe. kind of developed characters. And yes, stuff. they did. Yeah. So I think that that is something that sticks out in my mind is like really being one of the first to like, you know, really kind of create take, our take own entities. Yeah, yeah, creating our own entities within that BuzzFeed right. universe. Right. Yeah. 
And I think that's honestly when, and we won't go into like the details nitty gritty because no one needs to hear that. Uh, but like that's when we really started to butt our heads with the company structure. It's when our, and it's not for anyone's fault. It's just that BuzzFeed pushed us to kind of create our own business essentially. And then once our business got to a certain level, we wanted to kind of see that grow and see that really expand, but BuzzFeed was like, hmm, that's not within our business plan. It just didn't mesh. There was a ceiling. Yeah, there was Mm -hmm. definitely a ceiling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I think that happens when when you go to a publisher and you bring your IP, aka your own intellectual property, to the table. There's a ceiling. There's, you know, there's a point where someone else goes, actually, I own this. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? Yeah, and it's, it's like such a balance, too, because it's like, Part of the reason why, and speaking for me personally, where it's like part of the reason why I was able to like come up with such good ideas is because of what I learned by being at BuzzFeed. Yes. Where it's like if I wasn't at BuzzFeed and I was like, I, one, I never would have like been a YouTube creator. Mm-hmm. But if I had been, I wouldn't have been able to come up with as viral ideas as I had because I wouldn't have like learned the things that I learned at BuzzFeed. Like it was literally like, oh, the brainstorm muscle, like let's mm-hmm. learn that development muscle, producing muscle, directing muscle, even just like the, the, cause it's like we had $300 to per video to buy like the props and stuff, but it's like that didn't account for like, how much does it cost to rent the stage? Yep. How much does it cost to rent all the, like the existing props that are there to pay the coordinator, to pay the, the editor, to pay all that yeah, stuff, equipment. all the equipment. Yeah. And so it's all the like overhead that, where it's like a video that we're like, oh, it costs $300. It actually might've cost like $2,000 for us to make on our own. Right, yeah. Um, so, but it's, it's very like push and pull because it doesn't negate the fact that it's like, oh, we, wound up creating a bunch of stuff for a different company who didn't value us in the end. But it's like, I also learned a lot. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I also learned a lot and like the skills that I learned have been able to fund my life outside of BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's just a hard balance because yeah. there was no like, there was no, there was no like give and take on their end. It was just kind of like, here's what it is, that's it. How has your view of your intellectual property shifted since BuzzFeed? Like, how do you, if somebody comes, like, I can tell, well, I can start us off with this answer, but, like, if sometimes in, like, the producerial world, people will tap you to do development work, Mm -hmm. and they'll have an initial interview with you about, like, hey, this is the project, this is, like, the obstacles, blah, 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 these are the specs, and I go into those, like, meetings giving very little I, I like write down my ideas for myself, which I think would hit or pop or whatever. And then I select one that's like really unfamiliar and then one that's obvious. And then I give those, I like hint at those in that meeting. Mm. And I do it in a sexy way where they want to hear more and pull <laughs> me in for development. Mm-hmm. I do not give, I do not show my cards yeah. as much as I used to. That's mm-hmm. a really good point. There's gonna be a lot of, there are a a few, I mean, this happens actually a lot. Yeah. Where people will just want to feel it out and see if you're a good fit, quote unquote, and mm-hmm. ask you for ideas. And then you give them these ideas of like how you see this playing out or what you can provide or offer in this space. And then they'll be like, actually, we've decided to go with someone else, but now they have your ideas. Yeah. Mm hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would love to know, Devin, like, a little bit more detail about how you show what you're capable of, but also protect, while protecting yourself. But, I, like, I read this book called Hitmakers back in the day. Again, a BuzzFeed recommendation. Mm-hmm. In that book, I remember there was a chapter about Taylor Swift mm-hmm. and how one of the reasons why she's so popular, they theorized, is because she has mastered the art of mixing the bold and the new and then the familiar. Because people don't want just fresh bold because it's too scary. Mm-hmm. And people don't want just fresh or just familiar because it's boring. But they want that mix. So even if you hear her song once, you can probably like sing it again or know the words because you know, it's familiar, but it's new at the same time. So when I come up with an initial idea or when I hear about the project, I'll think my brain is because it's an ADHD mess up here. I will think about crazy things first and I'll write them all down. And then I'll think about how like the most profitable things for them or like the most uh, lowest lift uh, ways for them to make it. And then I kind of use two of those ideas. And then in conversation, like I'll bring up pitfalls or I'll bring up things that I thought about beforehand that I'm always looking for a way to solve their problem. So that's another thing I do when I'm talking to people. I'm like, okay, what are your biggest obstacles? How can I help you solve your problem? How can I make you look good? And then if you go into these meetings with that angle, it makes it it makes it so that you're undeniable. Like you're the undeniable pick. You've already thought, you've already anticipated their needs and you have some creative things in your back pocket. They don't know about all the creative things in your back pocket. I feel like I don't really hold much back. You don't? No. Like if it if it comes to like talking about like, oh, because I'm like writing a feature and then working on a short film right now with a friend where I'm like, I'm not going to say the plot of those. But if it's like, if it's a meeting about like, a job in digital or like here's what we're thinking we're looking for someone to take it to the next level and be like okay yeah I see like this 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 because I'm like that that's just like what I see and I I know that it's like once I if I get the job if I get in the room I'm going to be able to come up with more stuff right and so I don't really, like, if it's digital, I really don't hold anything back. Interesting. I'm just kind of like, yeah, here's what I think. And then they're like, great, can like, within the hour, they're like, we'll hire you. And I'm like, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> we love money. Yeah. yeah. You know? And then, like, um, for, yeah, but, like, like I, I met this guy, like, yesterday who's a, a manager, and I was, like, telling him about the stuff that I was working on. But I, I was like, it's a feature, and it's a short film. This is kind of the genre. End of story. Right. You right, know, because right. it's like those those are those are like my heart projects. Yeah. And so I'm like, those are the things where I'm like, no, this like this does feel like the I don't I I don't want to come up with something like this is like the thing that I like really, really want, you know? But so that's that's where I am like currently. Mm. Or like if I was in a in like a general or something like that and they're like oh we're looking for a show that's such and such this I would I would just like riff and just kind of like go for it I feel like generals are different generals are very different and for generals for people at home listening in Hollywood this is generals are what they are they're just general meetings where Mm -hmm. you bring someone in and kind of talk about what your slate is and they try to kind of soft pitch themselves to like how they would fit in and Mm -hmm. sometimes they're very lucrative and sometimes they're a waste of your time yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of just like, oh, Freddie, I want you to meet my friend Devin. I think you two would hit it off. 
meet for lunch. Thank you. It was so nice meeting Devin. Great. It was so nice meeting Freddie. Yeah. Cool. And then maybe like a year or two later, it'll be like, oh, I remember I met this girl Devin who mm-hmm. can maybe do this thing. Yeah. yeah. It either works out or it doesn't. Right. <laughs> or nothing happens. Right. But right. yeah, yeah. I feel like with digital stuff and with like brainstormy type stuff, I, I, I don't hold back that much. I think you bring up a good point because technically, like in this day and age, does anyone ever really own their own content and ideas? I think I've been burned before, so I can. Mm. T- I see. Been, I haven't. Yeah. I probably would feel much different, right? If I had, I would probably feel even more protective than you feel. <laughs> right, right, right. If I had actually been burned, which is why, like, for the stories that I'm like, no, these are mine, I just don't say them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, here's what I'm working on. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> but yeah, like, technically, when you post something on YouTube, Google owns that. When you make a TikTok video, that's Bite Dances, baby. Yeah. Like, Meta owns all of our content on Facebook and our souls, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, this is an offshoot. But, like, the other day I was trying to look up my prom pictures, which, you know, I know are on Facebook. Like, I have a couple of memories and Facebook albums from, like, high school and early college that are just on Facebook. And I haven't logged on to Facebook in, like, months. So I logged on the other day, and I could not find my photo albums. I was like, how... How dare you? <laughs> How dare you harvest all of my data and now my photos and now I can't even look at them. <laughs> I eventually found it, but they're just like it's crazy. It's kind of buried. Like Facebook got so yeah. kind of like messy. There's been times where people are like, "Okay," oh, and I'm like, "You know what? Actually, I do, I have one on Facebook. Let me like pull it up and I'll be like, "I can you show me where my photos are? Yeah, I don't know where my I photos agree. are." It's, it's kind of tough. It's tough. It's hard to There's find. There's so many things to, to tap, to click. Yeah. 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 I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all very honest with ourselves regarding our salary while we were at BuzzFeed. Let's discuss our salaries while we were there. How much we made when we started versus how much we made when we left. It's interesting, Chantal. I think you should start and talk about your intern salary because you started yeah. there first. Yeah. And so my salary as an intern was $10 an hour. And then my friend who started as an intern two weeks later was I think like $12 an hour. Mm -hmm. But she was instructed to like not tell anyone that her salary was $12 an hour because they were still still paying me $10 an hour. So I was just making $10 an hour through my internship and she was making $12 an hour through her internship. (laughs) When did you find that out? Like years later. Oh, okay. because I, I think maybe like the salary came up and I was like, yeah, I was making $10. She was like, oh shit, I forgot. I was making more than you. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like, oh shit, I forgot to tell you. Right. Yeah, because like, we like, didn't know each other. Yeah. And we didn't know, you don't, we weren't friends until we were friends. And then it was like, oh, what? And we were also just young. Like, mm-hmm. even if I had known, I don't know if I would have known how to say anything about right. it. Mm-hmm. I was like 24. Right. Yep. What what was your intern salary, Fred? When you you remember? I can't remember if mine was twelve or fifteen. I think hour. it was fifteen. Yeah. Okay, then maybe it was fifteen. I don't remember if hers was twelve or fifteen. I just remember it was more than me. Yeah, I think my it fellowship was... was fifteen. Yeah. Oh, maybe it was fellowship was fifteen. Internship was twelve. Mm. Something like that. An Regardless. Hour. That's pennies. Low numbers. Right? <laughs> Low numbers. For that, like, Jimmy out of, like, my extra $2 an hour. 
Do you remember the overtime, logging your overtime process? That was a whole thing. Oh yeah, I logged as much overtime as I could. Yeah, yeah. I honestly don't remember. I don't even remember logging the overtime, but I remember I did a lot of it. I loved working on Eugene videos. Yeah, because I would get so much overtime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, yeah, the good old days. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I started out because I started at BuzzFeed later than these two ladies, Um, and I think I started out with like fifteen as an intern, and then they bumped it up. For twenty dollars an hour as for a fellow, mm-hmm. mm. yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was nice. back in twenty fifteen. Yeah, I was ten and fifteen. So at at the time, BuzzFeed they wouldn't hire producers off the street. You had to go through their internship program, mm-hmm. and then what that was is like you would go through the training and do like six months ish depended of intern training where you would just be essentially a PA on everyone else's set and then it was three months I thought it was three months as an intern three months as a fellow well then then you could get extended too oh yeah some Uh, people did get extended for their internships so yeah three to six months right if it was like you weren't ready for the fellowship Mm -hmm. they'd be like we're gonna extend your internship yeah right right I forgot about that and then um, as a fellow that's when you actually started to make videos yourself Mm -hmm. And then you did that for three months. And then at the end of that, mm-hmm. all that labor, uh, they would decide if they wanted to bring you on full time mm-hmm. and you would get benefits. And remember how dramatic that was? Oh, oh. It was so dramatic. It was so dramatic. That I, couldn't have been right. That was not. You no, know, we did that. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, why was that? That's not okay, really. Like, just calling people into rooms, everyone staring, and then watching their reactions when they walk out of the rooms. To Open see if floor they, plan, baby. To see, if they, to see if they were happy or sad. Like, it, we had some, like... I hated that. Emotional manipulation. <laughs> Do you remember our Fridays? We would have company-wide Friday drinks. Or were they weren't it drinks? It was announcements. Announcements. Yeah. At, like, five. And they would announce the like the winners of the week essentially like which videos got 1.3 million views or three million yeah. views. Yeah, these are like the top videos. The top of the videos week. of the week, and then you yeah. would go and get a pin at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and it, at the time, y'all, you guys might be laughing, but at the time that was a big deal. It yeah. was. To get a hoodie because you got a three million video or three million video that saw three million eyeballs. Yeah. That was huge. Yeah. It was like such a big. I still remember when I got my hoodie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! I think my hoodie came from the prom dress video, maybe. Mm. Something like that. My hoodie came from dragging crap like cats across the oh, sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best it's pretty video. Great. <laughs> People walk their cats for the first time. Yeah. That's my like the video where it's like, oh, what do you go back to? It's like that's the one. It's, <laughs> it's so good. The music, everything. Yeah. The music, the like <laughs> crash zooms, kind of like chaotically interspersed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you would cut to Rocco and his cat, and it would be yes. like <laughs> Zen therapy. <laughs> oh my god, look it up, y'all, if you have not seen it. It's the best video in the world. Thank you so much. But yeah, You're yeah, welcome. it was uh, okay. So then that's how it started, and then at the end. And when I graduated, if you will, because that's what they're calling us now in line, the BuzzFeed alums. Oh, sure. <laughs> but <laughs> when I left BuzzFeed, the most I ever made was $86,000. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we often fought for each other. That's mm-hmm. one thing I loved about the five of us is we were fighting really hard to get equal pay mm-hmm. among because we were at the end, you know, supporting this channel yeah. together and doing... Yeah. You know, equal amounts of works in different ways. Mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. so that was kind of an issue, I remember, that we yeah. bumped up against a lot. Yeah, yeah. kind of. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> yeah, it was like the biggest issue. Yeah, yeah I think I, I left BuzzFeed making 89. Eight, what? I think so. I'm pretty sure it was 89. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I hit the 90. The mm-hmm. 90. Which, now, also, these are pretty good salaries. No, yeah, we're not trying to complain. Yeah, yeah these are pretty good salaries. I mean, I think, yes, it was a lot of work, but I, I do think that in that, given the field, and I think given our time at the company, it was pretty good. If you isolate the video producing role, yeah. yes. The issue that we bumped up against is they were really using our images and really exploiting our content without much, you know, it's different. We were talent at a certain point. Yeah, and I mean, I think another thing that also just kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and I think the rest of us too, is that like we were, we had our own channel that we were running, producing three videos a week. Like we had a lot of heavy lifting on a consistent basis and we're getting paid less than the guys who didn't really do as much Mm -hmm. as we did. Did Mm -hmm. the same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And had the same kind of idea, franchise. But not even like, they didn't have to produce three videos a week. No. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were up there in in six figures Mm -hmm. territory. So that was a bit interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. I think when, when I left, I was at, I don't remember if it was, a hundred or one oh five, I think it was a hundred. But you had been there the longest, and you were our team lead for the longest time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I, I think I might have been at like one hundred. No, I don't think you went over a hundred. I don't think you went over one oh five. Because um, I remember, or maybe you did, because I remember we were all arguing for a hundred, mm-hmm. for all of us to get a hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I was trying to get everyone onto like my same salary right and I think Kristen was actually closer to your uh, salary than the Mm -hmm. rest of us because she also had been at the company for years and years yeah Mm -hmm. I think I was at I think I was at a hundred and then I remember there was like one year just like with more like brand deals or whatever that I made like more than that yeah Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I think my base salary was like a hundred right so when I left BuzzFeed, I made 86, and then my first year outside of BuzzFeed, which was 2020, uh, my salary, like given all of my deals, my work at NBC, everything popped up to 140. Mm-hmm. So that's just the difference of what, now of course I had to pay for my own insurance, I had yeah. to pay for my own, um, like just different things, like I had to open up my own 401k and stuff like that, because obviously when you're independent and freelance, you need to like cover your shit because yeah. no company is doing it for you. Yeah. Um, but I remember being shocked when I did my taxes after 2020 because 2020 was the first was also year. Just, also, 2020 just wasn't a normal year. It wasn't. So it is interesting to like look and be like, oh, even with everything going on, mm-hmm. I still, like imagine if it was, if there was no pandemic. Mm-hmm. I know. Oh my God, the pandemic came in the worst time for yeah. me too. I mean, mm-hmm. it came in the worst time for everybody. I don't, yeah. I'm not special, but <laughs> at the same time, like I had so many things mm-hmm. going up. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. H- how about you, Chantal? Do you remember your first like year outside of. I don't remember the first year. I remember the, the second year 
and I didn't work for like the first, I didn't work for like the first half of the year basically because it was after my partner's dad had died. And so we're like pretty busy with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't work for the first half of the year and I think I, I still wound up making like like 115 or something like that uh, without amazing. working for like half the year. Amazing. Yeah. 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 Oh, me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How's it been for you? Because you're you did a soft fade yeah. out of Buzzfeed. Yeah, I did a soft fade, um, and I did the soft fade just for personal reasons. Like I just needed some of that um, consistency mm-hmm. uh, as I was transitioning into the freelance lifestyle, and so um, I did a contracted deal with Buzzfeed where I did I did just like fifty video appearances for a year. 50 is so many. 50 is a lot. And then it was 2020. So I actually, so I, the contract started, I would say like, let's say January mm-hmm. 2020. Um, so I guess that's when like the 50 videos started, for Goodness. example. I did not complete, <laughs> I did not complete my contract until the end of 2021. Mm-hmm. So it took me two years to appear in 50 videos versus one. Do they pay you for those two years, though? No, it was still the same. It just was, like, more spread out because people weren't making videos because of the pandemic. pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that ended up being, like, a thing. But I will say I do like, and I'm still sort of on the roster at BuzzFeed for branded video talent. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm just kind of hopping into branded videos um, and working with them as Mm -hmm. one-offs, which is really great. Um, for me just because it is just like another paycheck paycheck in addition to the deals that I get through my agents and managers so mm-hmm. um, I will say I, I think the first year even with the pandemic I made close to I was up there it was like 150 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 150 160 after taxes that, that's great Damn. yeah and then and that's when I was like okay I'm ready to like buy a house I was like okay, like, let me do this. And I just hadn't been doing freelance for long enough. They were like, is this just a lucky year? You know, they were like, mm-hmm. I don't know. So that is what really kind of um, gave me the confidence to say like, oh, I can like do this on my own. A thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's like, in our industry, it's scary because, you know, you work for these publishers, you get everything covered on your shoots, you get your insurance covered. And then there's just way more overhead, like you mentioned. And that does come out of your paycheck. But I think personally for me, the freedom and autonomy is priceless. Mm-hmm. You know, and not having exclusivity on what I do yeah. is priceless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because I think for me, it's like, I think, I think jobs, and we kind of talked about this a little bit with Melinda when she came and talked to us about you know career moves and whatnot. It's like, if you're not getting the salary that you think that you deserve at a company, but you don't wanna leave, you should try to negotiate, okay, well, then I need to be able to do paid work outside of this so that I can meet my financial goals since you're not, you're unwilling to pay me a higher salary, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was like, I was annoyed by my salary, but I had been fighting on the back end um, to just get less exclusivity and less, you know, Huge. parameters around my outside work so that I could just like feel like I'm I'm 
meeting the financial goals that I had in mind for myself. Mm -hmm. Another negotiating tip is to negotiate for four days instead of five days Mm -hmm. a week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. So, what are some boundaries that you all have to set when it comes to making content with yourself? Like, how do you choose what to monetize? How do you choose to be like, no? Mm. I think I'm still learning this. Mm. You know, because I'm pretty much an open book as a person. Like, I meet people. It's really hard for me to, you know, set boundaries around myself in general because I just, you know, I am who I am. Um, And so, yeah, I try. I don't know. I I think I'm still learning. I'm interested in what you have to say. Yeah, I mean, I... So I like don't really um, like make like original content that's based around me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from drumming on Instagram, my <laughs> reels. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like even in ladylike and stuff, I like I, I I think I'm just like a little bit more private in general. Yeah. Where I'm like I didn't want any of my like intimate relationships to be public. Um, because I, I just felt like I needed something for myself, especially since we were doing unscripted work. Mm-hmm. It might have been different if we were doing scripted because then it's like, oh yeah, the stuff that people know about me is is fake anyways, it's scripted. But since we were doing unscripted work, it was like, there's our, like we're already, people have seen our period blood, mm. you know? <laughs> and so I'm just like, I don't need people knowing much else of like what's going on outside of like the videos like I don't need them knowing much about my family I don't need them knowing much about like my partner or that I'm in a relationship or anything like that yeah how about you Fred yeah I think um it's interesting I definitely don't I don't make a lot of original content about myself as much either. I do have a YouTube channel where I'll like throw vlogs up when I feel like it. And I think that's just kind of like my model. Like I don't want to feel pressured to like do it. I kind of just want to do it when I feel like it. And like I feel like that's so hard because consistency on the internet is key if you want to be successful. Like that is what all these platforms are built up around is consistency. People posting multiple times a week or even every day. Like, that is just not my ministry anymore. It's just not. Um, And so I think for me, I just feel... um, And even, like, when Ruff and I started dating, like, I was nervous to, like, you know, put him on the internet because I have had some experiences where I've shared a little too much or done couples videos at BuzzFeed and then people were just like saying things in the comments that like made me upset and Mm -hmm. made me feel very like mama bearish and like very protective and like made, you know, and I, it took me a while to figure out like, okay, I am going to only post things that make me feel good or just stuff that is like generally like a part of my life like I have a hard time also just kind of going out of my way not to post someone who's just in my space all the time you know what I mean like (laughs) you know so it's like I I was like well don't feel like 
you know, for me personally, I was like, yes, you feel a little scarred from like kind of um, showcasing your relationship in certain ways on the internet, but also do your thing. Like mm-hmm. if you feel if it feels natural, if it feels organic, post it and people will feel that. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't I think a lot of a lot of what I kind of go by is like just not feeling forced mm-hmm. and like not making content that feels forced, which kind of just goes into like do it when I feel like it. And then I that's when like I put my best effort forward. I'm like, okay, I really want to do this and it's going to be a good video. And people can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They really can tell. Mm-hmm. They yeah. really can. They can. So so for me, there's definitely still some stuff that I keep, you know, close to the chest for sure. Um, especially because I'm not posting often. But yeah, I feel, I honestly feel like a little bit more free not being tied to a publishing company mm. when I post. Um, I feel like it's not, I feel like people, it's interesting, I feel like people have a different outlook when you are a part of the, when you're a creator that's a part of a publishing company versus an individual creator. You low-key get, like, more grace. Mm-hmm. I do. Like. You do. Yeah. You do. Yeah. So it's like, that has been something that I've noticed. I'm like, oh, like, I'm actually not seeing as many negative comments. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're right. I didn't even think about that. It's so true. It's so true. I do. I definitely feed the beast a little bit more on my YouTube channel. Like I try to post consistently. And you're good at it. And mm-hmm. I like commend you because you mm-hmm. post quality. Do you consistency? Think, yes. Uh, I feel like sometimes my quality dips because of consistency. You got to mm. feed that beast. Yeah. And it's like, mm. I like I sometimes look at the videos. And I'm like, oh, what am I? What like I'm so shiny, or my lighting's off, or like I could have, I could have cleaned the background. It's what it is. Is uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always have a messy background, uh, <laughs> or like I go out of focus a lot. But yeah, it's just it's. But people like it, you know. And mm-hmm. I think it, with the age of TikTok. This like idea of authenticity of being invited right. into someone's home, yeah, people like it. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. remember Ben O'Keefe from our college mm-hmm. debt episode? Sweet Ben, I love him. He told me uh, this phrase where he gave me this advice to monetize your trauma, which is a very provocative statement. I've mm-hmm. been thinking about it a lot, and of course, I think he said it. But I think he meant it in like probably a very specific way. Like, obviously, don't monetize your trauma if it's still very fresh for you. But I think there is some truth to it because artists have been doing it for centuries, right? Like, arts, books, music, now on the internet, we can be so vulnerable and create content around a trauma at a faster rate. But, like, I think about the video, Chantel, we made about my sexual assault. Mm -hmm. And that was done with, I mean, we didn't monetize that. Yeah. But that was done with such care Mm -hmm. and such, um, thought that it felt natural mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. whereas I feel like if I just went on Instagram live and talked about it mm-hmm. it would have been felt really weird right I mean I think it is it was just the because it's like at our hearts it's like we're creatives we're like artists and so it's like that just is our medium of like for expression and where we get a lot of that catharsis from of like okay, I just need, I like, I need to like get it out. How, what's my method for getting it out? Some people it's like carving furniture. Some people it's like a painting, Mm -hmm. but like this is just kind of our version of that, like through video and through just like making a piece of content. And so I I think coming at it through the lens of, of that, of like, this is something that needs to like come out of me versus it being like, Okay, so what do I think is going to get the most views? I think yeah. this is going to, you know, like mm-hmm. there's there's a very distinct, distinct kind of like 
difference of it, of feeling something like, this is something I have to do versus like, mm, okay, yeah, this will make me popular for the day. Mm-hmm. And we're totally coming at it through the angle of like, like this is something that you want to do. This is something that we want to do. Mm-hmm. And again, people can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Viewers can tell mm-hmm. if this is just a clickbaity thing to get you, you know, on the trending yeah. page of YouTube or if it's something like you said, Deb, done with care and like done with a lot of thought behind it because it's like, oh, this is art. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, she's like, this is really upsetting to hear and like I can feel the pain, but like, oh, this is like art art, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that is the distinguishing factor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I forgot even that we we didn't monetize it. We didn't. We turned the comments off before, like our, our publishing plan was no comments, no ads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not because I, I I actually don't think we would have gotten any negative comments, but it was just it just wasn't the point of it. Right. The point wasn't for it to be commentated on. The point mm-hmm. was like we just need to do this. Right. And so there it is. Yeah. Right. And but I do. There's a part of me that loves the idea. Like trauma happens to you, and it sucks, and it shapes who you are. Might as well get paid from it. Like mm-hmm. the, yeah. the the Capricorn in me is like mm, part of me agrees with that. You know, if you can yeah. sell a memoir about what you've been through mm. and it, A, helps someone else and B, funds the rest of your life, that's a win-win, I think. Yeah, and I think, again, I, it, I think it's so nuanced and it, yeah. just, it depends on, like, what it is. So, mm-hmm. like, for example, like, I'm not into those videos where, like, the couples come on and they're like, so we're breaking up yeah. <laughs> and, like, they just start crying together and it's like, we tried really hard. Like, it's like, y'all. I can't do those videos either. Yeah. This is not. It's if you're in a relationship, be in your relationship. If you're not in your relationship, be out of it. Yeah, and it's like you can. Make I don't. Me an, I like, don't need to be involved. Yeah, and if you and I guess, I guess technically, a lot of times it is like the YouTube couples. Yeah. Who do it? Yeah. So I guess it kind of makes sense in a way, but I don't know, y'all. To me, I'm just like do a little quick statement. From the notes, notes app, app. The notes app, app. do a classic <laughs> notes app post. <laughs> yeah, and like. Move on. The like, notes post, yeah. this hurts. <laughs> <laughs> no. This hurts. But yeah, it, it feels, those feel, even if they are, like, I'm sure they're genuinely upset right, in them, but right. it's just like, I don't want to watch that. No. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I think you're so right, Fred, in that, like, it is so nuanced, but where it's like, I think it's just, more than anything, it's like, how how I try to operate is like, is this something that I want to do because I want to do it? Is mm. this something that I want to share because I want to share? Is this something that I want to make because I feel like my heart needs to make it? Or is this like, oh, is this a very like benign thing that I want to do for a paycheck? Cool, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, but the when it comes to more like traumatic stuff or even like grief stuff, like Dev was in a short film that I made that was like just basically like sad and griefy because it's just like where I was at the time. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I just like needed to make that versus it being like me coming at it being like, oh, I wanna make something like really provocative and sad and it's gonna be this and it's gonna be that. It's like you would have felt that in it. Yeah. You know, where it's like, no, I was just making this thing because I, I just like had to. I just like, I needed that catharsis. I needed to get it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Rather, rather than it, I, like, oh, I need to, like put this trauma out there, or put this feeling mm-hmm. outside of me. Yeah. Okay. So, to like round out this episode, we want to make sure that you guys are learning and can take some like really good tips from our show. Like that's the whole point of it, right? Mm-hmm. So, what are some quick sneaky hacks we can give to the audience about content creation? Like, 
cheat codes. Cheat codes. Mm. I think for me, it's always make your own thumbnail in Photoshop. Don't just use a screen grab mm-hmm. from the video. Huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, show the eyes. Show the eyes. Zoom in way close. Big, bigger face. Show the eyes. Big expressions. Like mm-hmm. make sure that it's poppy. You know, it does take a little bit of extra time, but it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. Shrink it down mm-hmm. to the actual thumbnail size. Yep. And see in if it Photoshop your and eye. look at it and yeah. be like, do I like it? Yeah. Even know where like time codes are and stuff once it's on YouTube or once it's on TikTok or Instagram. Like, is it covering specific words that, yep. that you put in your thumbnail? Yep. That's a really good tip, Fred. And same thing with like Instagram reels and TikTok, like scroll and scrub and see what the best frame is as your thumbnail. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's going to live on your grid, you know, and that's important. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 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 That's a good thing. Um, um, mine is just to like, at least at the beginning, learn how to do as many things yourself that you can do. So like learn how to edit yourself, learn how to like Photoshop yourself, learn how to light yourself, how to shoot yourself, all that stuff. Because even if you don't, even if you wind up hiring people to do it in the long run, you'll be able to be that much better because you'll know what you're talking about and they'll know that you know what you're talking about. Yeah, so they won't like, you know, uh, give you try a to, yeah, they won't like right. try to skirt around or like, you know, not do things as, as you know, to the ability that they can do yeah. it. They'll be like, oh, now nah, she's going to notice that uh, right. <laughs> this oh. angle was wrong. So let me just. You edited all your videos for the past year. OK, I'm not going to try to tell you that this video is going to take three weeks to edit. If you know, it'll take three days. to edit. Right. Right. You know, just stuff like that or even even like even stuff where they're not trying to like (laughs) screw you over. But of like, oh, I think the light looks good here. Uh, I get that. But I've just been lighting all my videos from right here. So I actually just want it right here to keep it consistent. Okay, got it. Let me move it for you. You know, just stuff like that. Just if you know how stuff works, you're better at being on camera. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of YouTube videos, you guys. Oh, on, YouTube education. Yeah. Lighting and editing and all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely yeah. take advantage of that. Yeah. You don't right. have to be the expert. Just know a bit about it. Yeah. Um, don't look down on a G7X, which is a mm-hmm. Canon camera. Uh, they are like $500 in a camera spectrum that's not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a point and shoot, so it's really easy to use, and it's great for most online video. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty wide too. Mm-hmm. I love the G7X. Yeah. Great color. Yeah. Autofocus is kind of crazy, but that's yeah. okay. Yeah, I have one. <laughs> I ended up. I we use those at BuzzFeed for vlogging, but once I left, I actually ended up just buying a G7X. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have one too. So yeah, I gotta dig it up. Just just for shits and giggles. <laughs> for shits and gigs. <laughs> I nowadays I make. I'm very organized about pre-pro, you know, and I've always have been, but I've gotten even more anal about it. So if I have an idea, I'm looking at all, I have like a Google folder with research, with a kind of an outline or a script. I go and I look at like, do your research y'all, like what videos on that topic are popping on the platform that you want to put it on? Why is it popping? Spend like 
an hour, like literally set a timer. That's what I have to do because, again, ADHD, crazy brain. Um, I set a timer for an hour 30 and I'll just do a lot of, I'll do a deep dive and like copy and paste links. I might not even open up that document with all the research again, but at least I know it's there. And then I can at least figure out how to frame things um, and do your homework in the front so then you're not spending a lot of time at the back end trying to make it better. What about Instagram stuff, Fred? Because I feel like you've mastered like the look on Instagram and like. Yeah, I mean, so for Instagram, it's so tough now. Yeah. I mean, Again, they... dinosaur on the Internet, like Instagram. And it's so funny because someone did just tell me like because Instagram is like pushing reels so hard, like people are starting to just do instead of photos, they're just doing a reel, but not even like an edited reel, just like a quick even like a four second thing of like a photo like of, of you posing, mm -hmm. but it's video and you just make it a reel and mm -hmm. then that's what gets pushed to the front. Yeah. So that is something that I haven't necessarily like explored a ton. Like with, to me, I'm like, I still wanna like have multiple clips. I wanna like edit an actual reel. I want it to like be 30 seconds or whatever, but really like at this, in this landscape, like video and movement seems to be, um, now it's not necessarily the better, way to post but that is just what platforms are incent are like incentivizing um people are like platforms are incentivizing users to, to post video. videos and reels over photos which like is not my vibe but it's a thing mm -hmm. i think it's really just looking at the individual platforms and we've kind of discussed this and like what they are pushing mm -hmm. um and then just experimenting in that way yeah but in terms of like branded content, I do try to make things look as polished as possible. And over time, like with being able to like pay for it up front and like pay, you know, photographers their proper rates and all these things, like it does get expensive. So I, I would say that that's something to like focus on maybe once you've kind of been in the game for a bit. But I think like you can still make really good quality content. Again, like get a G7X. Like even if it's like a vlogging camera, you can still shoot like all of these like Instagram campaigns and things like that and it will look so clear. Mm -hmm. Like I actually shoot all of my YouTube videos with my G7X mm -hmm. just at home. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the lighting and everything looks really good. And it's easy to do by yourself because it has that autofocus. Yeah. So, and the screen flips up so you can see yourself while you are doing your thing doing your thing so there's yeah I mean circling back to that G7X and just like you know trying to make things look as like um, almost like aspirational mm -hmm. as possible like that is just what Instagram is mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow guys I think we gave some good advice we got real with this episode yeah. we did we did we did yeah um, tune in next week for more conversations about the bag where the bag is, how big the bag is, how to fill it, and uh, how to eventually put yourself into it and ship yourself off to you know Canada where they're living large. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with their body autonomy rate. Yes, next week we are dipping into the topic of sugar babies. Ooh. Ooh. You're not gonna wanna miss it, y'all. Yes, tune in, tune in. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. 
Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's.